2: Check out Mom's Don't Have Time to Write on Medium, and of course my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids.
1: Hi, hi, hello.
2: Enjoy the show. Allison Pataki is the author of The Magnificent Lives of Marjorie Post. She is the New York Times best-selling author of The Queen's Fortune, The Trader's Wife, The Accidental Empress. C.C. Empress on Her Own, Where the Light Falls, as well as the nonfiction memoir, which, by the way, I adored, Beauty in the Broken Places, and two children's books, Nellie Takes New York and Poppy Takes Paris. Allison's novels have been translated into more than 20 languages. A former news writer and producer, Allison has written for The New York Times, ABC News, The Huffington Post, USA Today, Fox News, and other outlets. She has appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, Good Day New York, Good Day Chicago, and MSNBC's Morning Joe. Allison graduated cum laude from Yale University with a major in English and spent several years in journalism before switching to fiction writing. A member of the Historical Novel Society, Allison lives in New York with her husband and family. Welcome, Allison Pataki, again on my show. I'm so excited. I always love talking to you so much. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I remember when we were with Alyssa in the fall, she was saying she's the
0: only three-peat, and I think this now makes me a three-peat.
2: I think you're right. Oh I'm my joining. gosh, it's a, it's a toss-up. It's like a head-to-head head competition. Yes. Oh my gosh, a three-peat. You guys just have to keep cranking out these books. It's like... <laughs> We'll try. we'll try. I don't know how you did this so quickly. So The Magnificent Lives of Marjorie Post. And this cover is like, I want this dress so badly, by the Thank way. Oh, my you. gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. You, you, you need the dress. You need to, like, have it made or something. I should wear it to my launch tonight on Zoom. Right? <laughs> yes. And congratulations so much. I'm so excited about this book. I'm so excited that I actually saw this galley, like, print it out. And now here's the final. And it's, like, Absolutely. so exciting. So. <laughs> Thank you. I you
0: were you were literally one of the first people I shared it with because it's a story of a strong woman who accomplished more than anyone could ever fathom. And I had to send it to another strong woman who accomplishes more than anybody <laughs> can ever fathom. And it, six years, would we call six years really how I
2: did it really quickly? I feel I, like it was my longest labor of love. But it's it me it, it, from it feels like it was fast because, you know, you, they just keep coming out. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, yeah, no, it took me, I was, I was living in Chicago. I had a tiny, one little tiny baby. I was in a completely different phase of life. Now, you know, the better part of half a decade later, I have three children. I've, I'm in New York. It, it feels as though it's a story that has been with me for many years. And I also knew that it would be a really challenging story to tell just because of the scope of of years and moments and characters. And so it, it was something that I, I felt like I'd been working on with a lot of other things kind of in the forefront. And now it's finally here. And so I'm excited.
2: <laughs> and how when did you become fascinated with with Marjorie yeah. and Weather Post? Yeah. It was
0: it was 2016. And it was very just sort of a kismet moment where I met a family friend, actually through my mother-in-law. And this woman, Nancy, had been an oral historian at Hillwood, which was Marjorie Merriweather Post's final home in Washington, D.C. And at that point, I had published several historical fiction novels about these strong women from history. And so Nancy just gave me the first tip off and just she posed it as a question saying, you know, what do you know about Marjorie Merriweather Post? And I will admit, and I'm embarrassed to say this now, I really did not know much about her other than... The name Post sounded vaguely familiar, but I didn't know if maybe it had to do with the Emily Post Manners book or maybe the newspaper. And then there's Post Foods and that that is Marjorie's family. But she just gave me a few morsels, like the four really juicy, salacious marriages she told me about her time in Russia as the first ambassadress and the, and the opportunity she had to become one of the world's great collectors of Russian treasure. And she told me about a little bit about her time during the Roaring Twenties and sort of the Gatsby era of her life. And it was just enough to get me totally hooked. And, and her tip was go to Hillwood, Just go mm-hmm. check out her home. It's a museum now set up exactly how Marjorie would have wanted it. You know, she could walk in and have a dinner party there today. So you walk in and you get the sense of her life. And so I went to Hillwood and I was just obsessed. And and I was like, this, how does nobody not know about this woman? You know, people know about her, but I don't feel she's as well-known as she should be. And so I was like, I need to write the book about her. And and then I just became obsessed with her. And I, I will say, I don't know that I've ever written about a subject or a woman where I just liked her and admired her as much as I did with Marjorie Merriweather Post. And so that was both a blessing and I think a challenge. And there were a lot
2: of things about this book that made it very challenging, but I'll let you <laughs>
0: decide what to do with that.
2: There were certainly a lot of chapters of her life, right? Like they're different, whole different places and frames of mind and men and all of these things, but that's what made it so real. I mean, that is the way life kind of works. Not that you have to necessarily move around this much and in this, these magnificent places, some of them, yeah, but yeah. the part that I did not know about her, and I don't know that much about her either. And I had just yeah. kind of like heard about her and mar lago and blah, 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 but I didn't know many details either. So I found this absolutely fascinating was all of the entrepreneurial and business decisions that she made, and how instrumental she was to the growth of Post Foods, how it became a post cereal company, how it became General Foods, how she, how she, basically Ned, who she was married to for a time. She propped up, he, became, he ran it, but she had all these ideas and how she fought. I hope I'm not giving anything away, but how she fought for the frozen foods revolution and that she was responsible for that. And it's like blew my mind. And that people were like, You really think housewives are going to put refrigerators and freezers in? And she was like, Yeah, they are. And they're like, No way. And basically, how it all started, as you wrote about so beautifully, like that it became because she was determined to help other moms. Like it was amazing. And that's all true. And that is all true. So she was ahead of her time. She
0: was a woman in a world where women were not allowed to be business leaders. I think had she lived today, she would have been president, or at least we would have all wanted to vote for her. But in her time, she was the only child of CW Post, this you know founder of this food empire. And he always knew she was worth, you know, worthy. And he always knew that she had the brains and he raised her to think for herself, you know, not thinking this is just my daughter, this is a woman. But he was sort of in the minority and it was, you know, the way society was that she wasn't able to run her company, at least from the front. Mm -hmm. And so she always had to find ways to influence things behind the scenes and That's exactly right. One of the the moments of, of sheer genius on her part was understanding the importance of convenience and healthy quality foods available to women. And if you have drank orange juice or instant coffee or had cereal, you know, Marjorie has directly impacted your life, but she had to, as you said, go against the boys and go against the experts. And what's fun is that over the course of her almost century of life, You watch her role evolve and you watch, you know, for instance, during the Franklin Roosevelt years, you watch her sort of step into her power in a way that more women are doing or, you know, with World War I and the Great Depression and World War II. So she so her life really was a changing arc. And I like to say she's sort of like the Forrest Gump of the 20th century Mm -hmm. in that she had a hand in shaping all these moments you know about. She was there with them, but with way better clothes and way better homes. And as you said, Mar-a-Lago was one of her homes and, and Hillwood and Top Ridge. And so, yeah, she
2: just, she shaped history. She was a boss. She was a boss. She's It's amazing. It's just, you don't think about, like when people think about affecting change in society, like you don't realize that sometimes it's just this these little ideas that are, like I would have taken it for granted that, there were, that there was a better, like, I never would have thought it was her or one woman running this company or that would have had such life-changing ideas, basically. Yeah. Anyway, you just exactly. don't know. Basically, yeah. you don't know. That was exactly. not a very good way to say that. Exactly. But yeah. And she applied that sort of
0: disruption and sort of yes. thinking outside the box, yes. not only to business, but it, across her life, like in, in, in building or in yes. charitable giving or yep. she's she yearned for the impossible and then somehow made it happen. And, and so she's inspiring. Yes. I, I, I think I really, I admired her a lot.
2: Especially during doing, not, they weren't soup kitchens. There was another word, canteen. She the canteen. started the, can, yeah. the canteens that yeah. she started to yeah. help yeah. everybody else. Like that sounded amazing that during, it was World War One then, right? Yeah. World, World War, war I. One. She
0: ran the largest Red Cross hospital in war occupied France Yes. Great Depression, she ran one of the largest you know, yes. shelters, canteens. World War II, she donated her yacht that was better than the British royal family's yacht to the U.S. Navy for a dollar a year. She just, she was really remarkable. It yeah. yeah. You, oh, you know a it, thing or two about women who just don't take no for an answer. and oh, So stop. stop things. No, please.
2: But even the canteen, the fact that she decorated it. Like she made it look like people were coming in with like lit candles. I can't remember exactly what the details were, but tablecloths so that people who had no money and were coming in gaunt with their kids who hadn't eaten could have not just food, but a dining experience and that she could just provide that. Some of these things that she did were just like It's just so amazing. And that's true. That's true. Just the way
0: she treated everybody, regardless of their story, she treated people with dignity. I loved that. And it was so true. She put on these beautiful white linen tablecloths and roses. And what she did was she hired men who were out of work to be her waiters. Yes, that's right. She made them, she made them dress nicely. She gave them a uniform because she thought that they would appreciate going to work and she made them shave. And you know, she was like, You're gonna. You're going to come to work looking and feeling good. And then these people who were starving were waited on. And that was so true. She was a hostess. She was a compliment hostess. And she applied the same sort of attention to detail that she would have for, you know, a a Palm Beach dinner party to her New York City Hell's Kitchen canteen. And she treated you with dignity regardless of who you were.
2: I even love how she when she was designing her houses, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the one, especially Mar-a-Lago, when she was just like, I have this idea in my head and I know that the most accomplished architects at the time are telling me this, that, or the other thing. And she just like, wouldn't let it go. She's like, this is my vision. And she made it happen. And she took a risk on this other designer that was so much Mm -hmm. more expensive and yet he still came in and It turned out exactly right to like use the nature and I don't know, just all these things. She just listened to her instincts. I think that's what's really setting her apart from so many other people, right? She could, she just, she had this deep conviction and she acted on it. She did. She was purposeful. And she brought in the
0: designer, she brought in the designer for the Ziegfeld Follies because she Mm -hmm. wanted it to be fantastical and whimsical and everybody thought she was crazy. And she was a little bit, you know, (laughs) it was surprising and alarming and she had the money to be able to do these things, you know, and she realized that that was an incredible privilege. And she also said, which was totally breaking with convention because everybody had these Mediterranean, you know, Spanish style villas. She was like, I'm going to take the concept of the Adirondack Great Camp. Mm-hmm. And instead of yes. cabins, I'm going to do that in Palm Beach. And everybody was like, what? But she knew. She said, I want to be able to entertain in grand style and have hundreds of people, but then also retreat and have my own space and have it be intimate and have it be a family home. And right. so she she just, yeah, she, she always, I, I put in the line there where she says in the book, Marjorie Merryweather Post doesn't follow trends; she sets them, and that and that
2: was sort of how she lived her life across the board. Um. And then you also have her intimate relationships, not just like what she did on a, on the outside, but her interior lives. Ooh, and she yeah. had so much loss in her life too. I mean, yeah. her and I, I guess I won't, it's hard to like give things away when it's about a historical figure, but... <laughs>
0: Don't go on the internet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I won't give it. Just like so many things that she has to like keep rebounding from and even heartbreak at times. And there's the one scene where she was on the boat waiting for her husband to come back and just being like, where is he? He hasn't come back. And you can feel her anger. Like I was getting angry reading, like, how could he just disappear? Where is he? Is he okay? Is he coming back? And like, how do you handle it when you're so mad at your spouse? Like what ne- Like, what can she do? What should she do? And oh my, I, I don't know. It was like this, this, it just made me feel like it, yeah. it just like gets you to feel all the things she was going through.
1: fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This episode is sponsored by
2: BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests, even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life. There are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Moms Don't Have Time.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm sorry that you were so angry, but I'm also so okay. happy that you were so angry because I'm happy you had that strong of an emotional response. And yeah, I think her story and in particular her her many love stories... And, and I would even include in that the, the loves the very tragic love story she had with her father, who was yes. the first man yes. she ever loved, a man who inspired her, but also broke her heart. Mm-hmm. I would just, it just goes to show, I think that love is a great equalizer because she says, I had many beautiful things in life. And she had these experiences where she's, you know, at the coronation of the King of England and She's you know sailing the world in this yacht and and you know drinking her tea off Catherine the Great's tea service and yet she had these heartbreaks just like anyone else and and she was a human and that you know I yeah I've never written about a character that had that many volatile emotional love stories yes. because all of the other women I've written about lived and loved and married in an era where divorce was not an option mm-hmm. and so regardless of what happened as they fell in and out of love, they always stayed married. Whereas Marjorie was coming of age and her love stories were coming of age in an era where divorce was just beginning to be acceptable. And even in that, she was a little bit of a trailblazer in that she was brave enough to follow her heart. But again, like you said, I don't want to give anything away, but, but she did have multiple great love stories and So writing about, you know, her bringing the reader along to fall in love and then fall out of love and then fall in love again. Something I loved about Marjorie was her constant willingness to, to give love a try and to keep believing and to keep looking for love. I really loved that about her.
2: Even when she wasn't ready, right? Like when she first went out after a heartbreak and she was like, fine, I'll just go to this one dinner. And then like, even though she didn't want to like be totally attracted to someone, you could feel the way you wrote that, sexual tension between them, that was like, I know, I was like, ooh, what is going to happen here?
0: You know? (laughs) Oh, good, good. And that, yeah, and then he was, I think, I know, I think we're talking about the same one. He was purported to be the great love of her life, and they were They just had this chemistry and they were, you know, in love and in this set of like not jet setters because there weren't really jets back then, but pace setters. That was the jazz age and the roaring 20s. And so it was at that time that Marjorie and her husband were rumored to be the inspiration for The Great Gatsby just because of the life they lived and the glamour and the world. And so. That was fun. That was and wild. They had some wild ears. <laughs>
2: I think I was talking about the later one who made. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know which one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know which okay. one. Right. But about. I don't want to. I'm trying not. i trying to be coy, but yeah. I do kind of know what I'm talking about. But yeah. anyway, all to say, this story was so immersive, and it's. I see what you're saying about Forrest Gump, just because her footprint was all over the place, and it's amazing people who lived in from that century. Like I feel like now somebody going a hundred years. It's not the same. You don't have like the great wars, the great depression, right? It's like, what are we going to say? Yeah. Like the iPhone came out. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like not the same as this sweeping historical yeah. story. So I am so glad you wrote about her. Yeah. I am now obsessed. I want to go to Hillwood by the way. And... It's so worth going. It's
0: amazing. So Dina Merrill was her third daughter, the great movie star Operation Petticoat. And Dina Merrill said, when you walk into Hillwood, you feel as though mother could come in and sit down to dinner. And if you've read the book and you know how much Marjorie cared about what it was like when she sat down to dinner, you see that that is high praise coming from Dina Merrill because they've just, they've so honored her spirit while also just being a great museum with other exhibitions. But you you walk in and you see her closet and you see, oh, pink was her favorite color. So all, everything is pink. Or, you know, you see like what mattered most to her based on what, photos are closest to her bed, you know, or like all of the signed letters and pictures that she received from, you know, the presidents and whatnot. You just, you get a glimpse of her life. And so that's something that's very neat about how relatively recent her life was, is that there is still a lot of the historical record about her that's so available. And her grandchildren are alive. You know, I've spoken with members of her family that was a first. I've never had an experience like that before. But yes, Hillwood is so worth seeing if you're heading to DC.
2: So, did you show the book? I mean, did they all read the book? Did they? Are did they read reading, reading now? They're reading now. Oh my gosh! So you didn't need to get permission or anything, or?
0: Well, no, because it's fiction. And you know what I said to them, and we had—they're so lovely, and we had these wonderful conversations. And I'm going to Hillwood, and I'm giving a presentation in a few weeks. And, and what you know, what we spoke about is that. It's just so interesting because it is a book of fiction, but I I won't wish to honor and do justice to Marjorie Merriweather Post's story. But then obviously it's gotta be strange if like you are present for some of the moments that are being discussed in this book of fiction. And so it was just that also made it, I think I felt this really incredible sense of pressure and, and just this added pressure. But But then also with COVID being what it was, I didn't even receive books until a couple weeks ago. And so everything felt like it was really late. And so I got them out to them as as soon as I could, but I just physically didn't have books to share. I mean, as you know, the world we're living in.
2: So it was wild. Well, I know that you already have your children's book series, Poppy Loves Paris is the most yeah. recent one, but I felt like this should be a children's, like you should, like because I would like my daughters, and, well, my sons too, but I, like, this is a story of a woman that, maybe and maybe there are, and maybe you've already researched this, but I don't know, I, I feel like- okay. I haven't. You I
0: haven't, haven't? thought about that. <laughs> okay. I, I've never seen it. I have those series of books for my young, cause I have three daughters mm-hmm. about big people, little dreams where they talk right. about Marie Curie and, right. uh, you know, Rosa Parks and Emmeline Pankhurst. and And she could be one of those women. You're
2: right. But I feel like you should, there's such a tie in to breakfast and cereal, right? Cause of where she came from. I don't know. There could be something very cool.
0: I love that. I love that idea. Thank you for
2: suggesting yeah. that. All right, you you go do that next. <laughs> I'm kidding. What what? Speaking of people who do like a million things in a lifetime, so what are you doing next? What's your yeah. next? Yeah. So I
0: I am. I have
2: my next woman,
0: and I'm obsessed, like I always am, and I have to be if I'm going to give years of my life to researching and writing and talking about this story. And so it's really a little seedling in my heart that I'm not quite ready to share, but I I have her and I love her. And it's another one of those moments where I'm like, how do more people not talk about her all the time? So I have a woman, but I also really love the children's books and I've written, I'm in that world very much just in my life because I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old and an under one-year-old. And so children's books are what I'm reading, you know, all day, every day. So I, I would love to do more with the children's books. So I have some of those in the works. So, and then I'm, I'm working on adapting some of my books for film. So we, I've got a lot going on and it's exciting. It's exciting. But for now, I'm just happy to talk about Marjorie.
2: <laughs> so great. It's so <laughs> exciting. Well, thank you for really introducing me to somebody who I really admire and just her, Her willingness to like listen to herself and not give up. It's and to see what happens when she goes against popular wisdom and how it all pays, how it pays off in the end. I I think that is such an important message. And you know, the lifestyle trappings, that's all glamorous and fun and it's interesting to read about, but Really, it's it's what's underneath all of that that I found absolutely fascinating. So anyway, you did a great job per usual and I loved it and congrats.
0: Thank you very much. And she came from nothing too,
2: which I loved
0: because she did not her life really followed the rise of the food empire that her family started. And she started with nothing in a barn and came to this wealth that put her at the same level as emperors and kings, but she always kept that salty. Midwestern down to earth quality. yep. And like, I think if you had to sum it up in one anecdote, she ate grape nuts off of her porcelain from, you know, emperors and Kings. And so that was just the dichotomy of her life. And I loved that about her. It was, there was more to it than perhaps might initially meet the eye. Yes.
2: Good reminder for people to make <laughs> sweeping generalizations Yes, about exactly. what people might be like. So anyway, yeah. amazing. Thank you. Thank you Tippi. All right. Bye. Alex. Bye.